God is at work through His local church and through the teaching of His Word. This morning on MyBridge Radio, we are pleased to share a favorite message from New Life with campuses in Kearney, North Platte, and Ogallala. Here's Pastor Jeff Baker. All right, God did not design you to be alone. In fact, you're at your best when you're at fellowship, when you're in partnership, and when you're in companionship with other believers. I just know that's how God designed you. I mean, think about it. Like, look, I don't want any of you to go there, but if you're in prison and you get in trouble in prison, so you already got in trouble, you got sent to prison, but, but now you're creating trouble in prison, what's one of the techniques that they use to discipline you? Isolation. Isolation. They get you away from everyone else. They stick you in the hole, right, and, or in the, like the little room, and they keep you there for days or hours. Why? Trying to break you trying to get you to a point where you would say, I don't ever want to be isolated from other human beings. Because guys, look, when you're isolated or you, let me say it this way, you stubbornly, okay, you stubbornly refuse to do life with others. Okay, now I'm stepping on some toes, right? Because none of you are, none of you are like the the isolationist, but some of you are just stubborn to do life with others. Did you realize it affects you emotionally, socially, physically, and spiritually? The National Academics of Science, Engineering, and Medicine, they did a recent study and report, and they discovered that more than one-third of adults in America, over 45, feel lonely. They also discovered that 25%, one out of every four adults that is 65 and older, are considered socially isolated. They don't have groups anymore. They don't meet with people. They're socially isolated isolated. That's a large group of people. And did you realize that they also did the study to discover not just who's isolated, but the effects on the human body. And so they dug into that and they just started to discover the health risks of isolation, whether in any kind of form. Here's what they discovered, that the death risk from isolation is higher than smoking, obesity, and physical physical, um, inactivity. I would say to you that Wow, isolation is a powerful thing then. Social isolation is associated with a 50% increased risk, increased risk. If you're socially isolating, you have a 50% increased risk of getting dementia. You have a 29% increased risk of having a heart disease. You have a 32% increased risk of getting a stroke. So I think you're getting the point right. And you probably could already answer this next question, that loneliness is associated with a much higher risk of depression, anxiety, and suicide. So I think God had it all figured out, guys, when he said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, then the Lord God said, it's not good, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Then God went on and he made all the animals. If you read this, you read it out of Genesis chapter 2. He went on to make all the animals, but he discovered that's not where the helper is. And then then God took the rib out of man and he made woman. And he put put us on this earth together right? because we need each other because it's not good for us to live life isolated. That doesn't mean you can't live life single. Okay, There's a difference between single and isolated. We're talking about when you purposely remove yourself from other human inactivity, from activity. You just get, you become inactive when it comes to, you know, being with other people. And here's the scary thing. I know this, that on Sunday morning, 
at our campuses, you can come and still feel isolated or lonely. I know that because it's too easy to hide in the large group settings that we have on the weekends. Now, can I say this to you that feel lonely or feel isolated and you're here and you're listening to me and you're at one of our physical campuses? I'm so thankful that you're here. Today is going to be a stretch for you, but today is God's answer for your life. God knew what he was talking about. I want you to consider the wisdom of God and what he said in Hebrews chapter 10. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and to good works. This is what we're called to do. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. If you want to run to win, then you got to follow that verse. You run with others by following that verse right there. I mean, thinking of ways to motivate one another to love and to good works. Did you realize that that's part of what God has us on this earth to do? That when you're on a team, like you're a part of a group of people, that part of your role on that team isn't just to like get all of the accolades and all the glory, but it's to figure out how to make others look good. Right? How to make others succeed. And that's the same thing in life. That's what God's called us to do. And if you really truly want to run to win by running with others, you would take Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, and start applying it to your life. Because otherwise, isolation leads to loneliness. Loneliness leads to death. It can lead, like we talked about, to physical death, but that's not even what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking more about the spiritual death. The spiritual death, when we're isolated and it leads to this loneliness, it leads to a spiritual death. Why? Because Satan is prowling around looking for isolated Christians. He's looking for those who are like have isolated themselves. They've, they've like stopped interacting with others. They've become kind of the weakest among us. And that, beca- that means that you're easy to pick off, to pull down, and to take out. And I hate it. I hate seeing believers getting picked off, pulled down, and taken out. It just drives me up a wall. But what happens is that when you start isolating yourself and you start getting lonely, the enemy starts lying to you and he starts causing you to believe a lie something that's not true about yourself, he'll say things like, no one else fails like you. That creates loneliness and isolation. When the enemy tries to make you feel like you're the only one who can't get it right. I mean, look around this church. Look at all these people that have these so-called perfect Christian lives. You can't have it. You can't get it. You don't even fit in at this church. You're not spiritually mature enough for that life group, right? What do you have to offer on that ministry team? Or the worst yet, God doesn't want to hear from your sinful self. The enemy's constantly trying to isolate you, to get you lonely, to bring about spiritual death. I hate watching it happen. So what do we need to do? We need to make sure that New Life Church is a place where people can actually run to win. Amen? That's what we need to do. So here's what I need from all of you. This is all of us at all campuses, right? Those of you worshiping online as well, it's like for everybody. At all campuses, we want to make our church a place where people can run to win. Are you with me? Okay, that means this. We have to become more sticky. we got to be a sticky church. And you're wondering to yourself, like, what does that mean? Well, when people walk through the doors, they stick at new life. They stick at new life. Watch this. They stick at new life because of your love and your grace. 
That's why people stick. I want you to think about why you're here. People stick at New Life because of your friendliness toward them. People stick at New Life because of your willingness to invite one more into your circle of friends, into your life group, or into your ministry. Because of your willingness to go, hey, there's room for one more. And you keep making room for one more. People stick for reasons like that. People stick because of your kindness and your humility. Now notice, notice what I didn't say. I didn't say that people stick because of my preaching. That will only hold people for so long. Kids ministry will only hold people for so long. Worship only holds people for so long. But really causes people to stick is the way that that you, you treat others. It's the way that you love people. It's the way that you make room for them. It's the way that you show kindness to people. And when I think of sticky, I think of honey. Anybody else with me? Right? I think of honey. And uh, so let, just be sticky sweet uh, here at New Life, okay? Just be those kind of people. That, that's the way that you are towards people that are new when they're walking through the doors. Because I don't you guys know that it's intimidating to walk through the doors of a church for the very first time. Can we just make sure that this place is a place where people can run to win? And would you do everything that you can to go out of your way? Right? Another little simple rule that I tried to use, although I, I get, it gets sabotaged from time to time, but I love the rule, so I'm going to tell it to you, that here at church, practice something with me. That if, if a person that you're talking to is a contact in your cell phone, and you see someone else that you have no clue who they are, would you just let them know, hey, I got you as a contact in my cell phone, I can call you later. But that person I've never met before, so I'm going to go over and find out who they are. I got you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, I can dial your number by saying, hey, hey Siri, call Jeff Baker. I'm just going to find out how many of you guys have Jeff Baker on your phone. <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of phone calls right now. <laughs> Thankfully, I don't have my phone with me. Yeah, and for those of you at home, hey, Google, play Elevation Worship. Okay, there you go. All right, there you go. You just got to mess with people every once in a while. All right, so you, you get what I'm saying. Like, it comes down to you and the part you play. But equally, I would say this, that we have to, we have to strive. And this is, not, this is not easy. But we have to strive to make New Life Church a family for those who call it home. I'm looking at it, a bunch of people uh, here at the Kearney campus who call this home. Well, this needs to be a family then. How, how does it become a family? Well, part, it's super practical. Here's ways it becomes a family. Inviting people over to your house for dinner. Or maybe inviting them out to eat. And guess what? You can do that today. You can do it today. Right now. You can walk, you can walk into the lobby and you can invite somebody to go out to lunch with you. Right? Recognizing when someone's been missing and reach out to them. It's not, it's not all the pastor's jobs. I mean, we're going to do it to the best of our ability, but guys, we're going to miss a lot of people. So when we work together, then we make this place a family for those who call it home. By recognizing when, when someone has been missing, praying for one another. I'm not talking about going, hey, I will pray for you. I'm talking about actually praying for them. Yeah. That could be praying for them and like, like lay a hand on their shoulder, pray for them right there in the lobby, but also pray for them during the week. Send somebody a text going, I'm praying for you, if you're actually praying for them. Right? Meet practical needs to the best of your ability. You can't meet them all, but if you know about a practical need and it's somebody in your circle, you go out of your way to meet that. 
right? I mean, just look, that, that, those are things that we can do to make sure that New Life Church remains a place where people can actually run spiritually to win spiritually. So consider the instructions God gave us in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 22, when he said this, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Here's the part I want you to see. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Enjoy it like everything we just talked about should be something that we enjoy. We enjoy being a little more sticky, helping people connect. We enjoy making sure that it's more like a family where more people can belong. So I'm just going to do my part, make a phone call, invite somebody for coffee, invite somebody over to my house. I'm just going to do my part. I'm going to pray for somebody. But enjoy it. I'm going to tell you right now, it's part of the secret of living a life that wins is enjoying the fellowship, partnership, companionship of other believers. It's a secret. It's no longer a secret, but it seems like it's been a secret. It's a secret to you running to win. I also love what God says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, what are you doing? You're obeying the law of Christ. If you think that you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself, you're not that important. And you know, I've kind of liked that verse, and we've done it before. You've turned to the person next to you and said, look, hey, let me encourage you today. You're not that important. We're not going to do that today. It's God's word, guys. I want to speak God's word over you. You're not that important. All right? just want to encourage you with the words of the Lord. Uh, no, but the, the point here is this, that when we share each other's burdens, we're actually walking in the footsteps of Jesus. How good is that? And this is part of what God has put us on this earth for one another. He's directed us to do this to help one another. I remember back when I played football in high school. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was inevitable. There's going to be a moment where you're going to have to run around the track. Right? You either everyone is, is slacking off and we're running around the track. Those are the worst times. Or it's just, hey, the coach ran out of things for us, so you're going to run around the track. That's what I, that's what I personally thought. But really what he was trying to do is something bigger than that. Because the coach, my coach, would always say, you know, there was a couple of guys, they were the pace setters. Okay, set the pace. But then he always, he would harp on us. He would watch us run around the track. And if someone started to slack off, he would challenge the group, you know, like to pull that person back in. And like the goal was to run as a group. Because you were only as strong as the weakest link. And so you, you, don't, you don't eat your own, you encourage your own, and you brought them along. And so he set that pace setter out there, right, so that we would get an idea of the kind of, like, level we should be running at. But then he in charge every single person, not just the captains or the assistant captains of the team, but every single person to make sure that there was no, no, no slack, no, no one slacking off, no one, you know, straggling along to, like, incorporate them in and to get them in. And that might mean that the, the pace setter had to slow down just a tad bit so that we could get back together. But normally, man, the pace setter set the pace. Why? Because we needed something to run after. And the, and the whole idea here, right, is that we need each other, but who you run with will influence your outcome. Who you run with influences your outcome. Proverbs 13, 20, it says it very plainly. Walk with the wise and become what? Right? Associate with the fools and do what? And get in trouble. Like, who you run with is going to determine your outcome. 
And there's really two groups you get to run with. You get to run with the group of people that is running, that helping you run towards Jesus, or it's the group that's keeping you from running towards Jesus. And each of us are in this race, right? And each of us are on this earth, in this church, to inspire someone else to become all that they are in Christ. But we're also in this church to be inspired by someone else to be all that we can be in Christ. Is this like symbiotic relationship where we actually do need each other. You might say it easier this way. God is in me for you, and God is in you for me. God is in me for you, and today I hope you're experiencing that, but God is in you for me. Like he's put us here together to do life together. But we tend to live in this really self-seeking, me-centered, what can I get out of this world life? That's the culture that we live in. I'm going to tell you right now, if that's the approach you take in life, it's only going to lead to isolation and to loneliness. That's where it leads. But Zig Ziglar, a famous motivational speaker from back in the day, he said something pretty profound. In fact, he would often say this. He goes, look, you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough people get what they want. Have you ever discovered that to be true? That the more that you focus on helping others, you end up eventually running right into the very things that you, you wanted and needed. Some of those things you didn't know how to ask for. But when we put other people's needs first, and we minister to other people first, and we care about other people first, it's amazing how that boomerangs back on us. So that guys, basically, here's what I'm trying to drive home. There's a lot of benefits to running with others. And there, it's a laundry list, but can I just give you a few of them that, that came to my heart? Here's a few benefits to running with others. First, others bring the best out of you. If you got somebody sitting next to you that brings the best out of you, well, you just nudge them, give them that smile, give them that wink and say, thanks for bringing the best out of me. Come on. If you got somebody sitting next to you, that's who they are. Just tell them, thanks for bringing the best out of me. Why? Because here's what happens. Others, they bring the best out of you by pushing you farther than you would go by yourself, by challenging you farther than you would challenge yourself, and by inspiring your faith. They bring the best out of us. But others do this as well. They confirm God's work in you. Follow me with this. They confirm God's work in you. I mean, look, God's constantly at work wanting to do something new in your life. A good, close, you know, Jesus-loving friend can help you discern what God's wanting to do in your life. When you talk to them, they can help you process it. They can pray with you. They can ask you good questions. Sometimes you need somebody to help confirm what God's at work doing in you. You also need that friend that from time to time needs to come alongside of you and go, I could see that in you. You ever had somebody look at you and go, I could see, I could see you doing that. I could see you being that nurse. I, I could see you being that professional athlete. I, I, can, I can close my eyes right now. I can see you in the classroom teaching. I can see it happening. I can close my eyes right now, and I can see you being a great mom. See you being a great dad. See you being a great manager. See you being a great entrepreneur. I can close my eyes. I can see it in you. If you've ever had anybody say something similar like that to you, you know what that meant to you. Like it just, it was like fuel, fuel in your tank that caused you to maybe take that next step a little more confident than you ever would otherwise. So part of running with others is that they help confirm God's work in us, but they also speak truth to you. 
Look, we all need somebody in our corner. Follow me. We all need people in our corner that can tell us the honest to God truth. They can be transparent with us, and they're a person that we're not going to get all of a sudden offended at. We're not going to just all of a sudden throw up the insecurity walls. We all need somebody like that. Do you have somebody like that in your life? Because I'm telling you, if you don't, you're missing out on gold. You need somebody that can honestly say to you, hey, look, that's, you're going the wrong way. Like, you missed the mark right there. You need people like that in your life to speak truth, but we also need people that kind of help us be the guardrails when you want to overreact. I know that none of you overreact. I'm probably the only one that overreacts. But sometimes you need somebody that you can just say, hey, this is what I'm getting ready to do. I'm getting ready to pick up the phone, make this phone call, dial this number, and give that person a piece of my mind. And you need somebody to kind of talk you off the ledge from time to time. Right? Somebody that can just speak some truth into you. But look, there's another benefit, another benefit to running with others, and that's this. They keep you encouraged. Let's just be open and honest. Everybody's wanting to quit at some time. Everybody's wanting to kind of like lay the mantle down and walk away. Everybody's kind of wanted to take the easy road out. We need somebody to come along and at that very moment, Encourage us, hear us sometimes, and just keep us in the journey. Keep us in the journey long enough to win. But we also need people to encourage us because, look, we're not all, every day is not going to be the great day. Some days you're going to be down, and you're going to need somebody that will just speak some life into you. How many guys are thankful for somebody that when you're having the down day, they can speak some life into you? Come on, man. That's why God put us here. I mean, remember what, remember what Hebrews 10, 24, remember what God said there? He said, let us think of ways to, what? Motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Guys, look, if that's your goal in life, you're going to help people run to win. But you're going to need people that have that same motivation in their, in, in their life for you. You need people that are around you that are motivating you to acts of love and to good works, meaning to follow God's word. You got those people around you? You're going to run to win. But you also need people like Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. If part of your agenda on this earth is to sharpen someone else spiritually, sharpen someone else with their, when they're in their, like their darkest moment to remind them who they are in Christ, you're going to help other people run to win. But you need those kind of people in your life as well. Because when we run with others, then we can run faster than we ever could alone. We can run farther than we were alone. We can run stronger than when we were alone. We can accomplish more than when we were alone. Amen? And God shows us this, guys. Let me just wrap it up. God shows us this in Exodus chapter 17. God shows us how to run to win by running with others. Exodus chapter 17. The Israelites are going to have to go into battle with the Amalekites. And so Moses... Moses hears from the Lord on how to win this battle. So he, he takes Aaron and her, and they walk up the mountain with the staff of the Lord. Moses gets positioned on the top of the mountain. Joshua leads the, the troops into the valley to fight the Amalekites and to win, win the battle. So Joshua and the Israelites, they get into the valley. They look up onto the mountaintop, and they see Moses. Moses lifts the staff up. And as he holds the staff up, 
the Israelites down in the valley go, and they go running into the battle and they start just winning against the Amalekites. And then all of a sudden, Moses is there and his arms are getting tired and the staff comes down. And you can look down on the battlefield and you can see the, the shift of momentum as all of a sudden the Israelites who are pushing back the Amalekites are now on their heels getting pushed back and some of the Israelites are dropping by the sword. Moses gets his hands back up and the battle starts being won again by the Israelites, but he can't keep it up. And you can almost, the Bible doesn't say it this way, but I mean, it's in a practical sense. Can we just be practical for a moment? That it's like he says to Aaron and her, you guys got to keep my arms up. Let's figure this thing out. Let's figure out how to keep their arms, I'll keep my arms up. And so the Bible tells us how they do that. But I can almost hear Moses going, you guys have got to help me. When the staff's up, we're winning. I can't keep my arms up anymore. So Aaron and her, they come along and they help hold up Moses' hands. And the staff is up and the Israelites, they win the battle over the Amalekites. Guys, we all need people to help us win. It might require you to ask for some help. You might have to ask for some help. Because we all need, we all need someone to help hold our arms up from time to time. We all need it. Many of you know, like, I, I can't, I can't, like, if I go to lift my arms up, like, there's a moment when this arm here, it, it hurts bad, and it doesn't want to go up anymore. And many of you know, like, in October 24th, I got hit by a car um, while down on the streets in Denver, and we were serving the homeless with our pastoral staff, and some guy took a car, and he drove it right through me, and I didn't know it was happening, and he just hit me from behind and hit me with the car with an intent to hurt or kill and that's, that's the police, and they're still trying to find that guy. Um, I, I need these two people, these Aaron and her. So I, I need this physical therapist, and I need this orthopedic surgeon. And they're going to help me. And we're all working together in this triad of this relationship to get there. But I've also discovered I need your prayers. Right? And I also need some of the professionals that are here that have offered their services and helped me in you know, unique, different ways. But we all need people from time to time to hold our arms up. It's not a sign of weakness. right? When Moses couldn't hold his arms up, it wasn't like that Moses wasn't good enough. It was that God had a different way of winning the battle. And in your life, you need people to come along and hold your arms up. because Not because you're weak and that you're so weak you can't do it. It's because God's got a different plan for winning the battle. So if you want to run to win, the people that you need are actually sitting right here in this church. You want to run to win? The people you need are here right now. They're here. Don't think about it like the grass is greener over there. If I just go someplace else, it'll become greener. No, once you get there, it's going to start turning brown. Because wherever you go, there you are. The answers you need to run to win are here right now. So can I just give you this last word of advice? If you want to run to win, start by saying hi. Start by saying hi. Hi at MyNewLifeChurch.com. I'm looking for a life group. Hi at MyNewLifeChurch.com. I'm looking for a place to serve in ministry, be on a team. Or hi out in the lobby. My name's Jeff. Or hi, we're the bakers. Who are you guys? Wow, you guys want to go get some lunch? You can do that today, by the way. In fact, my challenge to you today is don't eat lunch alone. Start by saying hi. 
You might also need to say this. Hi, I'm at the altar. Would you come and pray with me? I don't know where you need to start saying hi. But everybody can start this journey of running to win by running with others, by just starting by saying hi. Thank you for joining us this morning for a favorite message from Pastor Jeff Baker at New Life. If you'd like to hear this message again or more like it, check out Heard On Air on the MyBridge Radio app or online at mybridgeradio.net.